Welcome to the Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of therandyreport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. As regular listeners of The Randy Report know, before becoming a journalist, I spent decades as an actor and dancer on Broadway and in national touring companies of Broadway musicals. In addition to loving the constantly creative environment, I've always taken pride in the theater community for how we celebrate and support each other. For example, I can look back over the past two years of the pandemic and smile with pride at how the theater community really came together over and over to raise funds for those in need, either through the Actors Fund of America, Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS, and more. Folks who enjoy theater but don't practice it for a living might not be aware of the many circuitous twists and turns a career on the boards can take. It would be easy for some folks to be kind of dark or negative about their experience, but I can tell you the vast number of people I know are grateful for getting to do this thing we love. Recently, a friend of mine from Broadway days and a longtime LGBTQ ally, Jerome Vavona, has returned to the stage after a hiatus of some years. It's not that he couldn't find work. He chose to be fully invested in living his life with his wife and raising their uber-talented children. Now, however, he's sharing a bit of his adventure returning to the theater as part of the cast of The Nutty Professor, a new musical based on the super popular 1963 Jerry Lewis film, which put a new hilarious spin on the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde concept. Staged at the Agunquit Playhouse in Maine, the impressive creative team includes a score by Oscar and Tony Award winner Marvin Hamlish, Hello, A Chorus Line, They're Playing Our Song, Smile, a book and lyrics by Tony Award winner Rupert Holmes of The Mystery of Edwin Drood fame, choreography by Joanne Hunter of Broadway's Disaster and School of Rock, and direction by Mark Bruni, who directed the successful Broadway production Beautiful, The Carol King Musical. The show has been well-received by critics, with the Press Herald calling the production engaging with outstanding performances to make for a light, lively, and marvelously tuneful couple of hours in the theater. BroadwayWorld.com called the show amusing, well-paced, and light-hearted fun with spectacular dancing. And New York Stage Review says the production boasts plenty of talent and fine dancing and some of Marvin Hamlish's most appealing melodies since a chorus line. After exchanging some messages on social media about the process of bringing the new musical to life, I asked Jerome to join me to talk about how all this theater magic really happens and what it's like to return to the stage as a senior division dancer, as we both like to joke, plus the gratitude he feels for this third act of his career, as he calls it. In a world with a lot of conflict and social media bickering, Jerome's current journey felt like something positive and uplifting I wanted to share with my listeners. Now, we'd be here a long time if I read you his entire resume, but just to give you a sense of his experience, his Broadway credits include Curtains the Musical, Susicle the Musical, Kiss Me Kate, Dream, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, Guys and Dolls, and Jerome Robbins Broadway. He's also toured the U.S. in the national companies of How to Succeed, Guys and Dolls, and Jerome Robbins Broadway, as well as performing for audiences abroad in West Side Story. Other credits include highly acclaimed productions of The Producers, Sweet Charity, The All Night Strut, and Footloose. His TV credits include The Today Show, Late Night with David Letterman, The Rosie O'Donnell Show, The Tony Awards, and The Kennedy Center Honors. 
His film appearances include The Stepford Wives and Everyone Says I Love You. On the production end of things, he's choreographed commercials for the Disney Channel, ABC Family, and Nickelodeon TV, as well as the Broadway.com commercials that first aired during the 2002, 2003, and 2004 Tony Award broadcasts. He also wrote, directed, and choreographed the world premiere productions of An American Canteen in Paris and Spotlight Broadway, presented by Nederlander Worldwide Entertainment and Celebrity Cruise Lines. Additionally, he conceived, produced, directed, and choreographed the off-Broadway production of Just Feet from Broadway. He also choreographed Start from Hello, Tallulah's Party, and more. Last year, he produced and directed and performed in the 21st anniversary concert of Susicle the Musical at Feinstein's 54 Below in New York City. Equally as important, with his wife Michelle Osteen Vavona, another veteran Broadway actress and dancer, they are co-owners and artistic directors of the American Theatre Dance Workshop, voted Best Art School on Long Island. Together they train Long Island's up-and-coming theatrical talents, giving back and passing on what they've learned throughout their long careers. Jerome has also taught dance and music theater masterclasses at Indiana University School of Music, Carnegie Mellon University, and Syracuse University. In other words, Jerome has done a lot. Join me as I chat with the very talented Mr. Jerome Vavona. Jerome Vavona, as I live and breathe, how are you? I am well, Randy. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having time to join the Randy Report. I've already mentioned a lot of Jerome's credits. What I want to say is we actually ran in the same circles at the same time in New York City, and we never somehow, even with six degrees of separation, we never ended up in the same show, except we were this close. (laughs) When Jerome was in the original company of Susicle the Musical, I was in a chorus line in Philadelphia and I had auditioned for Susicle, it didn't work out. And then about six, eight months into your run, Darren Lee was going to go on a vacation for three months and they called me, Kathleen Marshall, God bless her. Don't we love loyal people? We and do. Kathleen called and said, hey, do you want to go into Susicle? I'm like, I'd love to, yeah, I love the show. Yeah, and it really was. only time in my entire career I gave my notice at a course line. We hadn't even opened in Philadelphia yet. I gave my notice on a Sunday. I was rehearsing our understudy Cassie because our Cassie was getting injured and we're opening on Thursday. Wednesday, I'm rehearsing her in the afternoon and the music director goes, hey, um, have you talked to the Susco people because um, their notice went up today? And I'm like, <laughs> right. And I called the producers at Susco and I'm like, oh yeah, sorry about that. And then I talked to these course line people and they're like, oh, we've hired your replacement. Sorry about that. So I was out. So picture me a week later, I'm walking the streets of New York and oh, I'm a good person. Why did this happen to me? But here's the good thing about it. Another Kathleen Marshall show I had auditioned for, Follies, which was going on same time as Susical. Right. Aldrin Gonzalez, who we both know. Yes, of course. He gave his notice and I was walking out of a Susan Stroman audition on 42nd Street, like 10 days later. And they called in, they said, hey, someone's leaving Follies. And Kathleen Marshall said, if Randy Slavacek fits the costumes, he gets the job. Because she remembered I got screwed. And I'm like, who was it? And they said, Aldrin Gonzalez. It'll fit, it'll fit. (laughs) We'll we'll come by the theater, you know, uh, 
try on the costumes. I, they'll fit. I can come by now. I'm two blocks away. So I went. <laughs> End of story. Um, it, it ended up being a happy thing, but it, I did miss the chance to work with Jerome. That was the one time we almost was uh, close. I was so close. Yeah, so I'm so close. That, that would have been fun. And actually, um, you recently, a couple of years ago, or last year, recently, you spearheaded the reunion of the I show. Did. I, yeah, I, it, during the pandemic, we did a um, Zoom reunion at that I organized and got everybody together. And then during that Zoom reunion, I floated, hey, if we're out of this next year, can we all celebrate the 21st at 54 Below? And everyone's like, yes, we're on board, make it happen. So I did. I went about you know, the business of getting everybody's schedules organized, working with 54 Below, getting Lynn and Steven. And every so it all worked out. Everybody showed up basically the week that we would have opened 21 years prior. And almost everyone was there, except for the, a few folks that were working and had to drop out at the last minute. But we had like 20 of us of the 25. So it was pretty spectacular. And it, it, was, a, it was a wonderful, I mean, I'm, I had one of the PAs on the show had gone to school with my daughter at Syracuse. She was a, you know, she was a musical theater major. Um, and she said it was remarkable to see all of you in the same room together 21 years later, behaving as if you had just left a week ago and the show was so fresh and it was so live and so vibrant. It, it showed us how much it meant to you and how deep it was ingrained in you. And I think the, the, the biggest takeaway from that, from the Zoom reunion first was, and then when we were on stage, that Lynn and Steven were like, you know, they had in their minds that it was a tragic experience on Broadway because of everything surrounding it with the advent of like, you know, chat rooms and us kind of getting beaten up in the press and things like that. And they had like, you know, a bad taste in their mouths. And when we all came on and told our stories, they were like, wow, this show means a lot to you. Like this really was formative. And, you know, it, it went on to be like the most produced show around the world in terms of, you know, rights and things like that. And we've all directed it, you know, numerous times with younger casts and things like that. So it's it's special to us. The story is so important. It's even more so now. Um, the music, the score is gorgeous. So that fulfilled something in their hearts. They were so touched that this show has carried on in our hearts for 21 years and that we wanted to be a part of it again. And then they came and saw both shows and they just were blown away that, you know, everyone was like doing these great performances on, you know, 54 Below. They squeezed, you know, we squeezed the 25 of us on stage or whatever. It was it was cathartic because I remember getting in the first day of rehearsal and say, look, everybody, we're not going to go back and rehash anything that happened 21 years ago. We're doing this for us. This is our opportunity to enjoy the show, knowing now what we know that 21 years later, this show means something to a lot of people, young and old, and more people have seen this show than almost any other show on the planet at this point. So it's a beautiful story, and we're glad that we were basically the ambassadors out in the world. I mean, I, I just got a, 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 an email or something, a DM the other day from a cast in Australia, and the person said, I read somewhere that you'll like do you know, a happy, happy opening message to a cast. Uh, would you do that for us? And I said, absolutely. And I, you know, while I'm here doing this show up in a gunquit, um, I, I made a nice post and sent it to them, wishing them, you know, well on their opening, but, you know, sharing some tidbits from, from our run and, and what it means to be a who. Um, and it was, you know, it, those are the kinds of things that we get asked to do a lot. I've probably done, you know, 10 or 12 of those things. And I know that Kevin does them all the time, um, you know, but it's, it's, it's nice to stay connected to that piece. So the theater community is unique as you and I both know. And I guess that's why, you know, what we're going to talk about is, is the draw of wanting to come back or never really retiring. Right. We never, we, we never really, really go retire. Away. You know, it's interesting. A 
a quick corollary to that, I'll say, like I mentioned, I ended up in Follies, not Seussical at that time. And what was interesting to me was we were such a tight cast. I was a replacement and we were at the Belasco. We're all packed in there. We had all these really famous people playing the leads and the, the featured roles. I remember that production. We only ran for like six months because it was a roundabout thing. And so no one was making Broadway scale. We were like, I think I was making $800 a week. Marnie Nixon and Marge Champion were making a thousand. Yeah, it was Lord. Yeah. And everyone thought it was going to get extended, but we didn't. And we actually closed on my, my birthday, which was the same day as Polly Bergen's birthday. So we like shared the same birthday and we closed. But the reason I bring it up is 10 years later, Betty Garrett had passed away, who had been in the cast. And we all got together for a memorial and Judith Ivey had a, a party at her house on the Upper West Side. And just like you were saying, we were like a family again, all over again. And nobody wanted to leave. Like at the end, it was like 1.30 in the morning and we're in Judith's backyard and there's still like 12 of us. And it's like no time had gone by all those bonds. And my favorite thing that happened because being a replacement, you always feel like uh, I wasn't there for the rehearsals. And I was sitting next to Blythe Danner, who I adore and I had gotten to know Blythe a bit during the run. And at one point I just made a point to tell everyone, you know, I really appreciate that you all took me in so well because being a replacement, not being part of the rehearsal process. And Blythe Danner turned to me and she goes, I don't remember you not being there. Oh. Can you imagine? You're human, right? She really but is. But that's, that's that kind of theater family thing. And this all goes back to the reason why I wanted to talk to you is I've been watching your journey. You're currently in <laughs> The Nutty Professor out at a Gunquick Playhouse. You're running for a month. Uh, folks can still see it till August 6th. That's right, please come. It's a new musical. It has music by Marvin Hamlish. Rupert Holmes did the book and the lyrics and it's directed by Mark Bruni. It's choreographed by Joanne Hunter. I mean, these are heavy hitters. Jerome Vivona is in it. I think when people think about having a career in performing or in theater or in Broadway, they think you're gonna go, you're gonna get in, the, in a show, and you're gonna go show to show to show to show. And otherwise you might be kind of some kind of a failure or something negative or something. And it's totally not true. I know for me, like we were saying, there, there are times when you're in shows, there are times you're not. Sometimes the show you're in back-to-back -back shows, you certainly were, you did like seven Broadway shows. You toured, you were in like national touring companies, you did West Side Story internationally. I mean, you did a lot, but then, you know, sometimes you're back-to-back. -back. Sometimes life takes center stage. You have two gorgeous children who are super talented. Um, I totally remember, you mentioned Syracuse. I'm a Syracuse grad. I know you are. And I remember you were like polling people about schools yes. for your daughter. And I remember going, Syracuse, Syracuse. And she ended up going to Syracuse. I felt like, I won. Um, yes. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes when you have a career in the performing arts, it, it, there are hills and valleys and life takes center stage. And I think that's happened for you. But then other things come up like this did. How did a Nutty Professor come up for you? Uh, about six months ago, I had decided that I wanted to come back into the performing community. I wasn't quite sure exactly what that was going to look like, whether I was going to go back to directing, choreographing, associate, whatever. I just wanted to be back around theater people. My last show had been Curtains. There were a lot of things going on in my life and my kids were getting a little bit older. Um, you know, Michaela, who is 24 now, my son Thomas, who's 21. Um, they were just starting to like do activities and do things. And, 
and I was, you know, coaching my daughter's soccer team, and I, I found myself, I was just telling the story the other night, I found myself being backstage more interested in what the score of my daughter's soccer game was on a Saturday than doing the two shows. And I realized I don't want to be here anymore, I want to be with them. So I, I decided I wanted to, you know, I wanted to continue my directing career and my you know, and choreographing or whatever, but I wanted to be around my family, I wanted to be with my kids, I wanted to raise them with my wife, which is the whole reason why we moved out to Long Island and, you know, decided to have children, was that I wanted to raise them, I wanted to be a part of their lives. My wife is, you know, extraordinary mother and she was really the, the, very much a focal point of their lives when they were younger, but I wanted to be as much a part of it as I could. Um, and so that took me away from performing. Here we are now, you know, fast forward, my kids have been in college, they're out of college, and I'm like, you know what, they're doing their thing, they're enjoying their lives, they're both in the performing arts, and I'm like, you know what, I, I want to dip my toe back in, I'd love to do TV, I'd love to do film, um, uh, or maybe, you know, be back on Broadway, who knows, you know, which is quite an assumption on my part, but I was like, I, I, I feel like I still have something to offer, I still have something to share, I think I've aged into another category that I can finally play these character men that I was understudying in my 20s because I had gray hair even then. Um, you know, we're in my 30s. Paige Chambers Rush. You you know what? You must yeah. know Paige. Yeah. Right? So Paige is, owns an agency called the Resolute Artist Agency. And Paige and I were actually talking about me perhaps being an agent and being that being in the next transition for me. And part of that conversation was that if you want to be an agent, you have to give up your union uh, affiliations. And I was like, hmm, I'm not sure hmm. I want to do that just yet. I said, what if I try my hand at performing again? You know, I'd love to be on TV, film, whatever stage she's like well how about I represent you and we'll we'll go from there so that was like January of this year and in like March I started to be getting auditions and things that was looking good and whatever and she said you know what why not send you you've built all these relationships over the years you've got an incredible network of people who are basically running Broadway now she said so why don't you reach out to them and just officially tell them you're back and you whatever so I sent out emails to all my friends and colleagues saying hey you know just, I want to officially let you know I'm back. I'd love to perform. Um, I will audition for whatever. I'm, you know, I'm pure humility, right? I will audition for whatever you need me to audition for, an associate, an ensemble, whatever. I don't care. I just want to be part of the family again. I miss it. And Joanne Hunter was one of the first of, you know, quite a few of my friends and colleagues who wrote back and said, hold that thought. And I said, okay, you know. So about a month or so later, she's like, you know, what's your availability for this time period? I said, okay, well, what are we talking about? She's like, well, you know, Nutty Professor, what's your availability? I said, well, I, yeah, I, whatever you want, I'm available. What do you, you know, I'll do whatever you need me to do. She's like, just hang on. And I remember talking to Paige going, I don't know what's going to happen, but, you know, this is coming up and I'd love to be a part of it. They had done it like 10 years ago in, in 2012 in, in Nashville. Jerry Lewis had been alive then. He was directing it. This is Marvin Hamlish's last score. He passed away on August 6th during previews 10 years ago. So they hadn't really touched it. There was some legal battles, whatever. But I get a phone call Friday night saying, okay, you start rehearsals Monday morning at 8 a.m. I was like, I start what on Monday morning at 8 a.m.? You know what I mean? They're like, Nutty Professor. I'm like, oh my God, okay. So I have to tell my wife, She's like, wait a minute, what was that phone call? What are you doing? <laughs> like, uh, I'm going to be doing Nutty Professor with um, Joanne, and we start rehearsals Monday, and we're going out of town to a gunkit. She's like, oh, I'm going to kill you, but okay, I'm very happy for you. Let's figure this out. So I was able to, to come back into the fold. I was really kind of nervous. I wasn't in, you know, I hadn't been in a rehearsal. I hadn't been in a cast yet. I've done concerts, I've done reunions, I've done this, that, and the other thing, produced this or whatever, but I had not been part of a cast in a rehearsal process for 15 years. Well, that's what I wanted to ask. So you, you're you in the show, 
Like, let's just start with the fact that you come to the table with a whole lot of experience and a set of skills and everything that, you know, younger performers don't have. It's, it's interesting when we're younger, we think how high can you kick? Can you turn five pirouettes? And you think that's important. And then you get in the rehearsal room, I've found personally, and right. there's a whole other set of skills that come into play, knowing when to, especially in a developmental piece, like when you're helping develop a new musical. I remember in the early 2000s, they were doing the musical applause at the reprise series in LA, which was yeah. their encores. And Cheryl Lee Ralph, the original dream girl was in it. And I Shirley. had to be in this. <laughs> I remember I called the director and the choreographer and I just said, I just need to be in. And at this point I'm like 38, but I hadn't been performing. And I said, I just want to be in it. I just want to, I like the, I like applause. No one ever does it. And they, I auditioned. I totally was not being asked to be handed anything, but long story short, I remember going in and I was the oldest guy in the ensemble. And I did dance in the show. I was a dancer, but I also someone, I wasn't afraid to jump in and swim a little bit because I had enough confidence that that might help the director and the choreographer. There's this one scene where Cheryl's character goes into this gay bar and there's dancing going on and she walks in and it's like Madonna has just walked in and everybody freezes and they turn in. The director wanted this big reaction and everyone just kept going. Right. And he's like, bigger. And the next time we did it, I just went, the shoes, the shoes, oh my God, the shoes. Well, David Lee, the director, thought that was the funniest. And I didn't know if it was too much, but I was just trying to not be afraid of making a choice. And how many times? Home, baby. There you go. He loved it. He kept it in. And there were moments like that. He had me yeah. play like little parts in the show where he needed actors. And so for you, having had all this experience and you've been in developmental things, you know, yeah. did you feel that was helpful to you or how was the rehearsal room different for you coming into this? Well, what's interesting is, you know, I had worked with Rupert, obviously, on Curtains. I'd worked, you know, worked with Joanne. She was my partner in three shows, and we worked on other shows. I knew Mark Bruni. Mark Bruni had been an assistant to Jerry Zaks on a workshop I'd done a gazillion years ago, the Royal Family of Broadway. Scott Weiss choreographed it, and, and, and I did the readings with Jerry Zaks and James Lapine. And he was like, do you remember the first time we worked together? And I was like, honestly, I, I, I remember you. I just don't remember what project it was. And he reminded me. So the creator and Todd Ellison, who I'd worked with on How to Succeed, I knew the creative team. The creative team knew me. They trusted me. And Joanne had said, you know, we need Jerome Vavona for this. He can do the things we want him to do. You know, the character roles. Plus, I was unaware at the, that moment that Joanne intended very heavily to use me as a dancer in the show. Yeah. Like, you can dance, you're going to dance. I said, okay, <laughs> you know, I hadn't done that. I mean, yeah, my wife and I own a performing arts school in Long Island, the American Theater Dance Workshop. We've owned that now, it's going into our 11th year. So I'm in the studio quite fr with my dancers, with our students, you know, and occasionally I'm taking, you know, an adult theater dance class or whatever, but I wasn't dancing. Um, you know, but I got in rehearsal with her and it, suddenly I'm dancing. I'm like, I'm partnering, I'm dancing. And I'm like, holy crap, but I'm able to do it. And it's remarkable that I can. I'm thrilled that my body is supporting me like that. I'm thrilled that the creative team had the trust in me to let me figure out what I needed physically and emotionally to navigate my way back into that environment, you know, for eight shows a week. It was a lot to process. And there were times I was very, you know, nervous, but I never felt like they didn't believe that I could do it. You know, like Joanne was like, you can do this. I know you can do this. We believe in you. Rupert Holmes is like, we've always wanted you to be in this. You know, you're doing it. You're doing great. And Mark, so the creative team, this creative team has been extraordinary in helping me 
come back into it and never making me feel like I was easily, you know, other than two of the other, three of the other principals, everybody else in the show is a good 30 years younger than me, if not more, right? So I'm the oldest ensemble member, but I do all the character roles and I understudy two of the principals. So, you know, I, I'm, I show up every other scene in a different wig and a different character, whatever. So I, I, I'm using all the skill that I've acquired over the years as a character actor to now actually play these roles. It was a different experience for me to be in these roles from the beginning and, and you know, them rewriting music and rewriting jokes and doing things for, just for me to fit my voice, to fit what, what my sensibilities, whatever. But, like, I remember we were in rehearsal. Rupert goes, look, I want you to come on stage with the confidence that you came on stage as Sidney Bernstein in Curtains when I saw you go on as Sidney. I want you to bring that to this. And it made total sense to me. And it made me realize that, you know what, he does believe in me. He, he, you know, he, he saw me, you know, 15 years ago in these roles, like, he can do it. I know you can do it here. Let's bring that into the, into the show. So it, it was a wild ride for the rehearsal period. The cast was unbelievably supportive. I mean, they were just like, you know, it, you're doing it. You know, the, the, as I kept saying, you know, senior division dancers showing up, doing my best. But they're like, no, you're, you're killing it. You know, like, you're here, you're doing everything we're doing. Um, and you're showing up. So it's been a lot of fun. I've had a great time figuring out my space amongst everyone. But I, I, I have an interest. I mean, we just had a big barbecue that I organized back here for the cast. And I've been doing that all along. You know, I'm kind of like the cast dad, doling out little tidbits of this and that when anybody's interested to hear it. But I'm just trying to keep us tight and cohesive and, and supporting one another. And it's been an amazing experience. But it, it definitely makes a difference that I had the trust of the creative team and that they were willing to bring me in, you know, sight unseen, you know, I, I did not audition for this. It was a phone awesome. call, me, you know, and, and after 15 years to get an offer to do something and what I'm doing in the show is a lot. So they really trusted me, which is, I will forever be grateful to each one of them for giving me that and uh, allowing me, you know, the grace to figure out what the heck I'm doing again. It's, it's been spectacular. Clearly you have, and speaking of being a senior division dancer and, having been the senior division dancer too. I do have a message for you. Jerome Vavona, I hope you're warming up for the show because I know it takes a little bit longer or a lot longer, or maybe even a few days to warm up these days. <laughs> I'm kidding, sorta, no, no, Jerome. It's Joanne, by the way, in case you were wondering. I'm just sending you lots of love and I'm so proud of you and grateful and thank you, my dear friend. Mwah. Joanne, that message, um, I got a little teary to be honest and she makes me laugh. Joanne Hunter is one of my dearest friends um, and she has just given me an absolute gift of my, she gave me my body back. Um, she gave me the opportunity to discover my love of being in the theater again. Um, to be in the room with creative people is an extraordinary thing. I think one of the things I miss the most about not being on stage or being around creative people is I forgot just how powerful it is to be in the wings or in the room or in a scene with someone at the top of their game with these incredible voices and the, the desire to play and be creative and have fun. And it's just, it's, it, unless you've been a part of it, um, I don't think it, you can even adequately explain how joyous that is to be around people who can just make these incredible sounds with their voices and, and create these incredible characters and, and to be a part of that and be around that every day. It's just, it's life affirming, it's, it's, it's exciting and it's inspirational. And I've, I've missed that. I mean, I love being in the studio with my wife and the kids and the students. That brings me a joy in a whole nother way, passing on the gifts and the things that I've learned to them and seeing them shine and they get it and the light bulb, all that. 
is extraordinary, but then there's just something else about the, the energy that your body vibrates, that level yeah, that your body vibrates when you're on stage and everything's on the line and it's the risk of, an, of a live performance and it's just, I don't know, I can't explain it. I don't know if I'm doing it any justice, but Joanne Hunter gave me that opportunity, trusted me, believed in me, um, and cared enough for me to give me an opportunity and pushed me to, you know, almost a breaking point. I was like, wow, I don't know, you know, and she's like, you can do it. And I was like, okay, and I have, and you know, eight shows a week, I'm here and I'm doing it and I'm having a ball. And uh, yeah, I don't know if I can ever adequately thank her enough for, for giving me the chance to come back. But well, there certainly is something about the chemistry, the alchemy, the, the magic that happens in a rehearsal process. And when like even accidents happen or- oh, Happy some, accidents all the time. Happy yeah. and, and you go, oh, oh, what did you do? What did you do? Keep that. We didn't even right. think about that. I was, I was directing a chorus line once and my Christine who does um, sing had never seen the show. She didn't know it. I'm like, that's fine with me. I've, I've done it wow. a thousand times yeah. the same way. And she came up with a reading on one line that I had never heard, and it was hysterical. She goes, oh, is that okay? I'm like, keep that, <laughs> that's right. really funny. But you know, I remember one time, uh, years ago, we follow each other on social media. Um, right. We've certainly, we, we would talk a lot about politics, which we won't yeah. hear, but we, we do some talking about that. <laughs> that's okay. But I remember one thing you said that was so brief, we were having, it was, there was a discussion on Facebook or something, and someone was discussing something and just, you wrote two words. And I just thought how perfect that he just wrote that. And it's simple, training matters. It does. And like, you know, you have your art school on Long Island. You literally train the next generation of performers. But you know, a lot of people, especially in a TikTok world today, and I'm not putting down those kind of artists and people who do things in their, their bedrooms or whatever. I think that's great that they're creative. Sure. But training does matter and having been both of us been dancers you can't just kind of jump up on stage and think yeah i see what that is i think i can do it blah 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 training matters it just it does i know years ago i was helping stage a production i was directing a production of a course line and i thought oh, yeah yeah whatever i know it. I'm, i don't have to perform it i got up to do the audition and i hadn't <laughs> danced in a while <laughs> you know that hurts have you ever gone that through that thing hurt. where you you think it's going to be there like it's always I, there and so I got up and I like danced the, the opening combination full out in front of all these people auditioning for me. Right. And I got through once and I'm like, Ooh, Randy, we got to pace ourselves because <laughs> you know, I could do it, but I wasn't dancing every day. Cause when I was performing, you just did not take your, your training for granted. You're still training. You're going to class. Um, you know, I was in Dolly on Broadway follies or Chicago. I was still going to class in the afternoons and still singing lessons, you know, you training matters. And so in your part of that, you're, you're the recipient of it right now at a, at a gunquit because you have all this training, but you're also passing that on with your school. What's unique about what we do is that, you know, before reels and TikTok and the internet and all that, I mean, our generation, and I always sound like an old man saying that, like, oh, <laughs> Me too. Come on. you know, but the thing is we didn't have phones that could film every single thing that we did. We weren't creating content every day. So what we did, if we weren't on the Tonys or the Thanksgiving Day Parade or you know the Kennedy Center or something, it doesn't it doesn't exist anywhere. Or if you were lucky enough to be a part of like you know if Lincoln Center did the you know the video of your show, there were no pro shots back then, right? So it's it's in the ether. So we learned from the last generation and we pass on to the next generation. And I take that very seriously. It's it's how our our progresses um, and, 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 and you know training matters but I think training also now looks like different things everybody I always say to my students everybody's journey is different right how you get here 
um, doesn't so much matter is that you're here and now the most important thing and I'll add to my training matters is that that you're prepared for the opportunity when it presents itself right so you've done the work so that you create your own luck whether you go to college and get a BFA, a B, Bachelor of Music, a Bachelor of Arts, or you don't do that at all. You go and you study at a studio, you study with an acting teacher and a voice teacher, and that's how you get your training. You surround yourself with incredible people, and you learn from mentors, and you find people. There's so many different ways to do it, and not, not one of them is the right way or the wrong way. Uh, I'm impressed by the level of training of this generation of talent, because almost all of them have gone to school. Um, you know, they, they paid for their high-priced BFAs, and they have amazing training. Um, so that's exciting, watching them develop things so quickly and process things so quickly. But I also think something I said, I think I had, you know, I was doing, you know, asked me a question on Facebook the other night backstage. And someone said, well, you know, what, 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 how do you, what's a, a tip for young actors? And I was like, live in the real world, experience the real world so that you can bring that to your art. I mean, there, so much of our existence now is on the phone. We're creating content every day that we forget that the people in the room, you know, we can talk to them. I mean, I had a conversation with someone in our cast the other day, and I offered them some information about something I knew something about, and she's like, I'll look it up. I'm like, well, we can have a conversation about it. Like, you know, let's talk about it first, and then let's look up and figure out what it is that we don't know. But let's see what we can, you know, out of both of our brains, my experience, your experience, maybe we do know what it is. But no, you know, I'll look it up. I mean, and, and they have the entire world at their fingertips. But... The, the experience as a human in the real world, being empathetic and watching people and listening to people, seeing how people talk, speak, the accents, how they interact with one another, that's what makes you a, a, a very vibrant and an emotional and, and a complex actor or performer is that you can bring those experiences back to life on stage. And no matter what your technique is, whether you're from outside in, inside out, you, this technique miser this or that, doesn't matter. You know, the, the richer your experience is, whether you're just reading books or you're watching film, you're watching, that's what you bring to, to your art. Um, and I think so, the more you fill this, you know, as I know Christy Whitehead, who, you know, has this girl, she's very esoteric and everything. Like, and the more you fill up this vial and this vessel, the more you can share, you know, and that's it's such a valid viewpoint. It's like, the more you fill up with experience, the more you can present as, a, as an actor in your, in your relationship with other actors on stage. And I think, Training matters, not so much how you get it, but that you do get it and that you right. keep getting it. And another one of my younger actors said to me, you know, that training never stops. I'm like, no, I know that. You know, you have to reflect on the things you do because if you're not reflecting on it, then it never grows and never gets any better. So, yeah, it, training matters. Who we are and who we surround ourselves with, that, that's who we become. So I, I love being around actors. This community is different than any other in the world. Um, I've worked in corporate America. I've worked you know, outside the arts, um, there's nothing like it. It's like, it feels like, I think I told you the other day, it's like coming home, but to a new house. Everything you need <laughs> is there. You just have to find which box it's in. Right. And that's really the, the relationship I've had with coming back to the theater is that I, I feel like I'm coming home to, you know, my, uh, a new house. I, I'm surrounded by things that are very, um, you know, comfortable. I'm surrounded by things that make sense to me, but I just kind of have to figure out where they go now in the new house and which box I pack them in. And I thankfully have had a creative team here and a cast of very supportive people who've allowed me to do that. And I, I had another friend text me last night, you think you're gonna stick around for the, you know, the long haul? And I'm like, I, I can't see any reason why I would leave. You know what I mean? This is too much fun, I love yeah. it. It's very specific, the things I'd like to do now and accomplish in my, you know, the third part of my career, but I, I feel like I have something to offer, and if other people agree, then they'll give me the chance to do it. And if they don't, well, then I'll go play in somebody else's sandbox. Uh, you know, it's not 
It's not the end of the world, but I, I'm just thrilled that somebody thinks I have something of value to offer again, and I'm happy to share it. And again, I, I, I'm not working for anybody else's validation, so it's probably the wrong way to say that. But I'm no, that's do important. That, that's very important because when we do these things for validation or for some external, and not to get esoteric, Chrissy, Chrissy would right. love When we do them for those things, I don't think they're as successful. When, when we are connected to that universe, that life force, whatever you want to call it, when you're doing it for you, I think it means that much more and we invest so much more. If you're just going to a job to do a job and have someone say, hey, great job, certainly I understand it's nice to get a pat on the back, but you're absolutely right. When you're doing it for you, I mean, it's literally the last, you know, it's what I did for love from a course line. Yeah. Uh, another Marvin Hamlet saying, oh, look what I did. I circled around back there. Yeah, I like how you did that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the music in this show is unbelievable. I mean, Marvin and, and, and Rupert's work is so incredibly smart, beautiful. I really hope that this show does end up on Broadway, which is our you know, ultimate goal, obviously. But the music, the choreography, Joanne's work in this show has to be seen and appreciated. It's wonderfully smart. I've seen the trailer. The trailer that we're so the good. It's just ridiculous. I'm so proud of her. Um, the work, I have to say this, and, and you know, I don't want anyone to take umbrage, but Joanne Hunter creates the most magical electric room. Like, it's just supportive. It's caring. It's empathetic. It's understanding of where she's come from and what she's all about, knowing what the actors and dancers need and what they're doing and what it requires from them. And she and her associate, Liz Ramos, who's amazing, um, the two of them together create the most supportive room they're beautiful people, they're beautiful humans, but they generate something in the room that w makes you want to do more and, and, and to excel for you, in them, but also to feel good about it yourself. They, they don't ever make you feel bad. They don't ever make you feel like they're condescending. They don't ever make you feel like you know, you're being attacked. It's like, I know you can get there. What do you need? Let me help you. Let me figure it out. And, you know, and, and they challenge you that way. And I, I don't ever want to work in a room that isn't like that. I, I would, and you, you know, worked with Jerome Robbins, so... <laughs> well, I, and I worked for him, so um, I know what the ultimate other side looks like. Um, and there are some other people who I won't mention on here who seem to think that that's the way things should be done. And I say, shame on you guys, because you know better. Fix that, because there's no reason to treat people in the room like they're less than or that they've got to somehow prove themselves to you. If you pick them and they auditioned for you and they showed you who they were, then support that. Give them that and help them become better. I know as a director, my goal was always to help people get to their best performance. It wasn't about me and my ego, it was about them. How do I get them to feel comfortable enough to share enough and be vulnerable enough to give the best performance possible? And that is exactly what Joanne and Liz do, and that's what Mark Green does. They're all very supportive people in the room, and you, and, and you feel like they're just holding you up and allowing you the time and space to figure it out to get where everybody needs to get to. And that, to me, is the magic of this this art is that we all get to play together and figure stuff out and bounce things off each other and then something magical happens. But in a room where it's very tight and people are being, you know, you know afraid, you snapping a whip and everything, it's like, you know what, that, that, that may work um, and you'll get a performance out of people, but it's one out of fear and, and, and it's tight and it's, they're afraid. So the magic that really could have happened, maybe you get a great performance, but there could have been a better one that you'll never find because you didn't allow them the space to figure it out. So again, like I'm saying, there's a generation of people who lived through that in the 80s and 90s, and that was transferred to them, right? We can both yep. raise our hands for that. Yep. But then like, now we should be doing something different right? Um, because it's necessary. Well, it's I tell people anytime I'm directing and choreographing, I always introduce myself to the cast and I say, guys, I promise you one thing, I will never 
raise my voice to you. I will right. never demean you. I will never raise my voice. I may lower my voice. If I <laughs> right. lower my voice, we probably have a problem. But it will not be screaming. It will not be diminishing people. Because I, we've all worked with those people, th that generation, and it, it did not get the best out of me as a performer. No, I know. How can it? It, it just doesn't. You you suddenly become afraid to even yeah, try. Yeah, and then so you don't try things because then and like you, you said, tight. That's exactly. a good word, tight. Yeah, that's not how good things happen. I agree with you. Once you raise your voice, you lost the room. Yeah, truly lost the room. That's the and phrase. You won't get it back. They won't trust you anymore. So I agree. I agree. Well, listen. Thank you so much for having the time to chat about this because I love that this kind of messaging and story, all of this gets out to people because there's so many fans of theater that don't understand this process, this kind of part of the journey. And also that, that there can be a third act. What, what do we call it? If you're a senior. I mean, I remember Megan Sakura said once when we were doing a talk back after curtains, she said, Jerome Avone is the only person I know who kind of like can go have a life and then come back. Like yeah. the rest of like, we gotta stick it around, we gotta stick around, we gotta stick around. He's like, he leaves, comes back, he leaves. Like, <laughs> he's got a real life, he's got kids, he's got a family. I'm like, yeah, I, you can do that. This, th it's not going anywhere. You know, if you, if you feel confident in your ability and you continue to grow and, and push yourself, you can come back. You've got thing, valid things to share at whatever age you are. I don't, like I said, I don't think we ever retire. We just level up in categories. That's it. <laughs> That's awesome. We just change. You know, there's different colors to our performances. Yeah, I can't think like I did when I was 25, although I'm doing a hell of a, uh, you know, I'm really trying. I'm doing the best I, I can right now on stage and, and, and trying to deliver like that. But it changes, you know. I think Jack Hayes used to say, "Oh, I'm not a, I'm not a dancer anymore. I'm a stylist." And I'm like, "That's <laughs> stylist, right?" The senior division brings a lot of style. That's what we do. So that's my goal, anyway. Well, congratulations on the show, Thanks, Randy, the Nutty Professor at the Agonquit Playhouse through August 6 and possibly Broadway. So look that's for cool. it. Thank you so much, Jerome. Thank you, Randy. I appreciate the invitation so much. For more information about Jerome, head over to, and I love simplicity, JeromeVavona.com. And if you're in the main area this weekend, you have until August 6th to check out The Nutty Professor at the Agunquit Playhouse. For more information on the new musical, click over to agunquitplayhouse.org. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you would share it with your friends. I like to think of the Randy Report as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. Thanks for listening, folks. Take care of yourselves, and I'll see you next time.